0: First Thessalonians chapter 5 uh, verses 19 to 21 where we'll do a bit of scripture reading followed by the, the section in 1 Corinthians. So first Thess- Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 19 to 21. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 to 5, followed by 22 to, 20, 22 to 33. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophecy, and an unbeliever where outsider enters. He is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be all and all be encouraged and the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets for god is not of god of confusion but of peace this is the word of the lord <laughs> my bad it's pastor david as you as you're all aware, um, and his uh, he'll be teaching on the on the spiritual gifts. S- sorry for <laughs> some of the
1: i going to introduce myself, but <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, I'm I'm just wondering, could we have a few of the uh, the, the blinds open just to get some natural light in? Um, it just feels a little a little stuffy. Yeah, that's better. Um, well, welcome, guys. Welcome to Sunday Worship. And uh, we are here at our last uh, last sermon in this series on the spiritual gifts. Um, and it's a beautiful day. I'm, I'm just really glad to be here with you, to worship, uh, worship with you together. Uh, and I wonder what comes to mind for you when you hear that word prophecy, because this is a uh, That's what we're looking at today. I've left the best for last, probably the most uh, controversial for last as well. But um, I wonder what comes to mind for you when you think of that word, prophecy. Um, For me, something that comes to mind immediately is the weather app. And uh, who here actually likes their weather app? Well, okay. (laughs) Um, Because I have to tell you, the, the weather app for me, it's one of the most frustratingly inaccurate things I've ever experienced in my life. Um, On days where it will say that it's going to bucket down with rain, it'll be sunny outside. And on days where it's apparently a little gray but it's supposed to be dry, uh, the number of times I've been caught outside in the rain, I I just do not trust this weather app anymore. I come home smelling like wet dog. But, um, you know, the weather app, you want it to be accurately predictive, right? But it seemingly never is, at least for me. So you treat it with a very generous grain of salt, right? So that's maybe how some of us think of this gift of prophecy, right? You just treat it with a very generous grain of salt. It's not really sure about it. Uh, is, it is it predictive? Is it accurate? Is it not? Or I don't know um, when the last time, for instance, you uh, made a trip to your dentist. I know we have a uh, dentists with us today, um, but I visited a dentist recently. Um, he was an amazing dentist, very skilled, very gentle, uh, very considerate of my low uh, lo- my low pain threshold, but there are times when you, uh, you know, when you visit your dentist or I- even maybe a doctor, and you want them to be a little bit less prophetic, right? So you know, for me, I hadn't taken uh, the best best care of my teeth, and I was you know, told you know you have the potential for some cavities, and you'll be back for a checkup. You know, make sure it's all okay. And I'm thinking like I don't want you. I don't want you to be that prophetic. Like, why can't you say maybe, like, maybe you'll be back? Or, you know, there's good things in your future for your teeth, right? <laughs> so, it's that kind of prophetic as well. So, when it comes to this gift of prophecy, right, this final um, sign, miraculous gift, probably the most c- controversial one that we're looking at. Uh, you know, many of you here have experienced this as a good gift, but many of you have also experienced it as um, an unhelpful uh, maybe negative gift. And, uh, you know, perhaps you're a bit cynical about this gift of prophecy. Yet, in the very first verse of 1 Corinthians 14, uh, in this second passage that we read today, the Apostle Paul specifically says, Pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Right? He wants us to prophesy. He wants us to exercise this gift. So how do we do that? How do we do that in a way that is helpful instead of dangerous? That's what I want to look at with you today. And um, you know, we've, we've gone through this six-part series and that first half we took some time to establish really what the spiritual gifts are all about and we said that they're abilities and manifestations of the spirit's work in our lives, right? He's the one who distributes the gifts. And he's the one who empowers the use of those gifts, and he, and he does that in us for the common good, right? for the building up of the body. And that means your gift, whatever it might be, it's, it's not given simply for you. It's not given just for you to hoard, just for you to use, but it's given to you specifically to strengthen the church, to strengthen you know, your CGs, to strengthen your brothers and sisters in Christ. At the same time, looking at the gift of tongues last week, where seemingly this is a gift uh, that is more for self-edification, we we also talked about how there is a deep sense of joy and edification to the self that we experience when we use our gifts, any spiritual gift, to to build up others. And when we edify the body, when we build up the body motivated fundamentally by love, we ourselves are edified and really, that's the beautiful picture of the church that the Bible gives to us, right? This body made up of diverse parts, diversely gifted people, and all working together in unity. And when that happens, that magnifies Christ, that glorifies Christ to the world. So really, there's not a single one of us here today who you know, loves Jesus and who does not have a spiritual gift that is used for the building up of the church in unity. And before we finish this whole series, uh, with a final look at this gift of prophecy, I, I want to take a moment to revisit some, some questions that have been popping up, uh, you know, in conversation, uh, in, in our CGs, just so we can have uh, unity around clarity. Uh, first, thing, first question, some of you might be still uh, wondering, uh, so spiritual gifts, are they natural or are they supernatural, right? Natural or supernatural? And the answer is both, right? The, the vast majority of the gifts, they are natural. Uh, you could say that uh, the, the gifts that God has given to you as He made you, as He created you, uh, the way that He wired you, uh, He's given you a certain disposition, a certain character and a temperament and talents. And, uh, you know, that's no less a gift that you've been given than the supernatural gifts of the Spirit, right, that you actually receive quite some time later after you're born when you uh, become a Christian, right? Like the gifts of working miracles, of uh, healings, of tongues, of prophecy. So the gifts are both natural and supernatural. Or second question, how do I know what my gift is? How do I actually discern? How do I figure out what my gift is? And I think there's a number of ways to figure this out. Um, First and most obviously, we need to pray. We need to pray about it. We need to ask God. Then we need to ask people, we need to ask people to affirm the gifts that they see in us. And if you remember early on in the series, we talked about three really helpful categories. Um, so th- they are affinity. Right? Affinity just means what, like, what stokes your heart, like what gets you going, what, what ignites a passion within you, right? What, what makes you passionate when you think about it? Ability. Um, so you may be really passionate about, about singing, about worship ministry, but you're tone deaf. Uh, so that's probably not your gift. <laughs> um, and finally, opportunity. Like, what are the doors that are open? What are, what are the needs around me? And I think as those three categories, they overlap. I think of them as kind of circles overlapping. And what you find in that middle section, that sweet spot, that's probably a gift that God has given to you. So honestly, if you're wondering, um, how has God given me a gift to serve here at this church? Then my suggestion, uh, my humble suggestion is, in your CGs this week, give access to your brothers and sisters, to your leaders, and ask them, you know, what do you think? I, I, I do believe that we are a body, that I have a part to play. What do you think my gifts are? Uh, are there opportunities? You know, hit, up, hit up the elders, hit up the leaders, because every single one of you does have a gift, a spiritual gift, to build up this body of Christ. Number three, are they temporary or are they permanent? Are these gifts temporary or permanent? Uh, For the most part, nearly all of these spiritual gifts, they are permanent gifts, right? So if you've been given the gift of hospitality or leadership, that's generally because of how God has made you, right? how God has wired you, and that's a permanent gift. Your exercise of that gift may look different in different seasons. It might fluctuate, but the Scriptures don't suggest that these kinds of gifts come and go But, you know, for the gifts that we've been looking at in this latter half of this series, some of these miraculous sign gifts, when it comes to the gifts of faith, uh, the gifts of healing, the gifts of even speaking in tongues in today, prophecy, the Scriptures do suggest that these gifts aren't permanent in the believer. You know, you can just call upon them at will, but, but God occasionally and sporadically distributes these gifts. So, not all the gifts are permanent. Some of them are occasional. And final question, um, are they continuous or have they ceased? Now, this isn't just a question that we should answer for ourselves, but, you know, this is a, uh, it's a great divide in the evangelical landscape. Are these sign miraculous spiritual gifts, are they still uh, in, in use? Are they still uh, accessible to the church? And our position here at this church is that there is just not enough scriptural evidence to say that they have definitely ceased. However, we do honor the unique authority of Christ, the New Testament, and the Old Testament. And we actually believe that not all the gifts function in exactly the same way across both testaments. And the gift of prophecy, it's, it's one of those gifts See, there's a uniqueness about the apostles, right, as this group of men, they, they lived with Jesus, they, they, they saw him, they ate with him, they journeyed with him, and they saw him die and rise again. In the same way, the Old Testament prophets were set apart by God to speak with divine authority. And literally, they would say things like, thus saith the Lord. And what we have from both the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles is this book, Scripture. So prophecy like that, it, it doesn't continue anymore. But we do, we do believe that it continues in a way that, that resembles what came before, but it's not quite the same. So today I want to establish uh, three things about the gift of prophecy. First of all, what it isn't. Second of all, what it is. And three, how are to use it? So first of all, what it isn't. So uh, we see this word prophecy" being mentioned all the way back in the Old Testament. Uh, there's literally a huge section of books in the Old Testament called "The Prophets," major and minor prophets. So by the time we get to the New Testament, we, we, we kind of have this built-in perception of what prophecy might be. And here's where I'd like us to, to, to begin. The New Testament gift of prophecy is not the same as Old Testament prophecy. See, in the Old Testament uh, world, if you were an Israelite and you wanted to find the mouthpiece of God, if you wanted to hear from God, you were looking for a prophet, uh, someone who was divinely appointed by God to speak on his behalf to his people. So, you know, guys like Moses, guys like Isaiah, Ezekiel. And so they would often start what they say, uh, with thus says the Lord. And really, so what we have here in the Old Testament is that, th- that that prophecy, that gift or that ability was very much tied to an office called the prophet. And we have a counterpart to the Old Testament prophet in the New Testament. Uh, they're known as the apostles, guys like Paul and Matthew and Peter. And what these two offices have in common is that God spoke through them under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And what they spoke ultimately was about one guy, one, one dude, Jesus Christ, right? What his life, death, and resurrection would mean for the rest of the world. What they said was validated, and what they said we have written down in Scripture. And that's why we, we look to this book as authoritative for our lives. We, we, we look at it as, as sufficient for our lives, Right? We look at this book and we don't think that it's incomplete, that we need to add anything to it, right? That God somehow missed some things that he should have told us, right? It doesn't need to be revised or updated. But from start to finish, it's about one guy. It's about Jesus and what he's done for us. And it's got everything that we need for life and godliness. It's the gift of prophecy what it is not. The gift of prophecy, it's not the same as having this book in your hand. But some would suggest that it is, honestly. Uh, because at the end of the day, if it still encourages, if it if it still strengthens, if it still wants, if it still builds up, then why not? And I, I want to show you in just a few verses from the New Testament that the gift of prophecy does not carry the same weight. It's, it's not authoritative like what we have in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So in First Thess- Thessalonians, it's really hard to say that without um, having a lisp. Chapter 5, uh, <laughs> verses 19 to 20, uh, 21, Paul is addressing the church in Thessalonica. And he's talking about the gifts of prophecy. Um, they've actually been hating on this gift. They've had a bad experience with this gift. Um, and he says this, he says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Now, why on earth would Paul instruct this church to test prophecies if the gift of prophecy had the same weight and authority as Scripture? It doesn't. You don't, you don't test the Bible. The Bible tests you. And Paul says something almost identical to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29. We read it today where he's giving practical advice. And he says, let two or three uh, prophets speak and let others weigh what is said. Right? It's about testing. So the spiritual gift of prophecy, it, it's not the Bible. It's not authoritative. It's, it's not tied to an office, but it's tied to a gift of grace, a spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit apportions to the church and it, it has to be tested always against the benchmark and authority of Scripture. Gift of prophecy—it's not the same as having the Bible in your hand. But then, what is it? Right? What is the gift of prophecy? L- let's talk about that. And if you look at First uh, Corinthians 14 verse three, uh, Paul points us to three things that prophecy does, like three uh, functions. So look with me. Um, verse three. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their their upbuilding. Uh, and encouragement and consolation, right? Upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. So, prophecy builds up, it encourages, and it consoles, which is another word for comforts. And Paul here is talking specifically in the context of the church, right? That's what the gift of prophecy does for believers. It, it builds up, it encourages, and it comforts. But he also talks about what this gift does for outsiders, right? People who wouldn't identify as a Christian, unbelievers. And he, he tells that to us in verses 24 to 25. He says, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he's convicted by all. He's called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he'll worship God and declare that God is really among you. So it has this function? of revealing something unknown, of revealing the secrets of someone's heart. Like, that's pretty intense. Like, things that you might have never, ever shared with anyone. Not in a way to bring condemnation, right? Look at this passage. But he's convicted in, in, in a way to bring conviction. So, not condemnation, but conviction and repentance and eventually worship, falling on his face. He'll worship God and declare that God is really among you. That's amazing and powerful stuff. And finally, we see in verse 29, just again, let two or three prophets speak. Uh, Let the others weigh what is said, so test it. If a revelation is made, right, to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. It's a revelation, right? It's not um, specifically one thing. It's not necessarily a Bible verse. It's not. It doesn't have to be, you know, something predictive about the future. It could be an image. It could be a song. It could be interpretive dance. I, I don't know. It's it's a revelation, all right. So here's where we land on the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is not authoritative speech. It's not. But it's spirit-prompted talk for encouragement, for strengthening, and building up. Sometimes it's, it's predictive, sometimes, but not always. And it must be tested against the authority of the Scriptures. And, you know, even though we don't have this definition that I've given to you neatly in three verses... We can trust that the Apostle Paul, he knows what he's talking about, because uh, often what we see in in Paul's life is we we see that the doctrine that he preaches, uh, the word that he gives to us, it's actually exampled and modeled in his own life. So, we see this in his own life, in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, uh, you know, a lot has happened. Uh, A day of Pentecost has happened, Uh, thousands of new believers have come to Christ, uh, and you know, this gift is uh, in, in, in play. Uh, it's, 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 in, it's in the works. There's a guy called Agabus, and he's affirmed with the gift of prophecy. Right, early on, he foretells the coming of a famine. Right, that's like pretty specific. You don't want to say that and get it wrong. A severe famine, and it actually happens. So people are like, yes, this guy is uh, someone with the gift of prophecy. Uh, does that seem like something that God's people would need to know? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, they'd need to know that, to, to caution them. Like, get, get ready to feed your family. Get ready to also love your neighbors, right, and to care for other people too. It's not just about you. And later on in Acts 21, Agabus, same uh, guy gifted with prophecy, he comes up to the Apostle Paul and he tells him, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be arrested, by the Jewish authorities there, and he does this weird thing where he, I would never do, he he takes Paul's belt off from Paul, he holds up the belt, and he kind of wraps it around himself, and he says, the man who owns this belt will be arrested and bound by the Jews at Jerusalem, you know, if I'm Paul, I'm thinking, you could have just told me, just just give me back my belt, man, (laughs) Um, but that's what he does, and but here's the thing, the details of that prophecy, they aren't, they aren't exactly accurate. And Paul does end up going to Jerusalem, but he doesn't get arrested and bound by the Jews. He gets arrested and bound by the Romans. What the Jews were actually doing was they were beating him nearly half to death, and then comes along the Romans, and they bind him, they arrest him, and it's like they almost save him from dying. See, the effect of Agabus' prophetic word was, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem, right? I have a prophetic word for you. You're going to be arrested. You're going to be bound. Don't go. But Paul doesn't treat Agabus, who has been affirmed with this gift, he doesn't treat his word as Old Testament prophecy, as authoritative for his life. He tested against the call of the gospel on his life. And we, he knows, I've got to go to Jerusalem. I've, I've got to preach Christ to the Gentiles. Right? That, 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 that's what God has called me to. So So I'm going to pack my bags and I'm going to go. And he does. And I think, you know, if I was Paul, you know, after going through, you know, even partially what Agabus prophesied, I would think, yeah, you're you're right, brother. I I, I did suffer. I I was arrested. Maybe not in the way that you exactly said, but, uh, you know, that part did happen. So thank you for warning me, but I went anyway. So prophecy, what is it? It's spirit-prompted talk, speech, revelation. For our encouragement, strengthening, and sometimes... Warning, it can be predictive, but not always, and it can be spoken imperfectly. And therefore, it should never be spoken authoritatively to others. It should never be spoken in a way so as to say, this is what God says, thus saith the Lord. It should be tested against the authority of the Scriptures always. And it needs to be acknowledged now that not everyone agrees with this definition of prophecy. Uh, There are many who actually think that this gift is no longer uh, in in operation, that it was just a unique foundational gift to help kickstart that early church in the book of Acts in the New Testament. And once that was done, it's not necessary. We've got the book. And before you write them off as spirit-quenching, kind of crusty, cessationist fundamentalists uh, who don't believe in the power of God, who don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit... Uh, you, you, you need to read what these brothers and sisters are writing because they love Jesus and they love their Bibles. And they're writing from a place of deep concern for the integrity and the clarity of the gospel and the good of God's people. And actually, I, I, I don't think we're so far off in some of the concerns that they share, right? And we need to talk about what they are instead of just glossing over them, if we use this gift rightly. So, I want to just bring up a couple, you know. Firstly, there's a concern that comes simply because we love the Bible, right? We love this book. We believe that this scripture is authoritative. We believe that Jesus is the final prophet, right? That in the past, God spoke by the prophets. But in these last days, this is Hebrews 1, he has spoken to us by his son, We believe that in the person of Jesus Christ, in the Scriptures, we have a final and beautiful and amazing, mind-blowing, sufficient revelation of who God is. And we, we, love, we love this book. And we don't want to undermine the authority of this book. We don't want to put anything in place that might mean that this book is any less important in our lives. There's the right kind of concern there. But I don't think giving prophecy the kind of definition that we've given it today I don't think it undermines the scriptures in any way I, th- I think it, if anything, it upholds the scriptures above the gift All right we the gift of prophecy it is to be exercised under the authority of scripture but secondly, there's a concern that comes from past experience and you know let me tell you I have friends in the ministry who are cessationists now who did not used to be cessationists, and it's because they had bad experiences with the uh, the supernatural sign, uh, miraculous gifts. And the r- the reality is that many of us, many of us have seen abuses of this gift, specifically, prophecy in the past. I know I've seen it. Uh, and I know, I know many of you have too, from the pulpit. I know many of you have experienced an abuse of this gift in a more private setting in a way that was spiritually abusive, in the, the way that this gift was used by people who were claiming to bring a word from the Lord for your life, but you only felt condemned and not built up, not edified. but if anything, you wanted to, 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 to walk away from the Lord. It's, it's been a gift that has damaged and divided the church. But I've been saying this a lot. You know, that doesn't mean we don't use it. All right, think about preaching. There are, uh, who, who here has listened to a bad sermon? You don't want to put your hand that's fine, but I'm sure you guys have I'm sure you guys have. I've preached some bad sermons. I've preached some bangers of, <laughs> of sermons. I was looking at some, um, I was looking at some earlier manuscripts this week, and I was just like, "What is this? Like, What was I thinking?" Oh my goodness. Um, but I'm so thankful that we haven't gotten rid of preaching altogether. You know, that as a church, we haven't even got rid of my preaching altogether. Actually, various brothers and sisters over the years have taken me aside and they've kindly told me, you know, this is something I think you could work on. This was good, but I, th- I think this wasn't very, uh, this was a, a, a bit unhelpful. Uh, I think this you need to really bring under uh, what. The Word says. And ultimately, the encouragement has been, still do it. Still preach the Word. And that's where you get your authority and confidence to say anything to God's people. It's from the Bible. So, or, you know, maybe you sucked at evangelizing to people. I know I've done that too. (laughs) Um, But we'll never say as a church, let's stop evangelizing because we're not good at it. No, no. we, We think rightly how we can do it for the glory of God and for the building up of his church. in the same way when it comes to this gift of prophecy, we don't despise it because uh, our experiences have been despicable. We don't do that whether it's actively or passively, because I I realize that we can do it very actively, very out in the open. Uh, This gift sucks, like I'm not going to go there. We can do it passively by just quietly neglecting it. Never talking about it. Never really bothering to exercise it anymore. But we should, because it's a good gift from God for the building up of this church. It strengthens, it strengthens the body of Christ. And I would encourage you to think of those prophetic words that have been tested, that have been true, that have been edifying for you. We're not going to throw those out. We want to use this gift rightly. Rightly under the authority of Scripture. So how do we do that? How do we use this gift? Um, And before I get into some practical applications and exhortations, I want to share with you two examples of how I've personally experienced this gift of prophecy. And um, I I think, all in all, they were healthy ways. Uh, So hopefully, uh, they'll they'll be helpful for us to understand. First example, um, back in 2015 at our church's retreat, uh, the guest speaker on the last night, he was... uh, leading the congregation uh, in in prayer. Everything was great. It was was an amazing retreat. A lot of you guys were there. All of a sudden, um, he singled me out, and he pointed the finger at me. And he said, where's David Chong? Oh, there you are. You have been called by God for full-time ministry. And honestly, like, I'm just going to be straight up. In that moment, I was like, no, I'm not. (laughs) Don't say that to me. Like, (laughs) you you don't know me. I actually didn't like how certain he sounded. I really didn't like it. And I also had no desire or intention to pursue full-time ministry um, at the time. That's just what I felt in my bones. But here's what I will tell you. From that moment on, literally the week that I came home from that retreat, as I would pray, I went from never praying about really career ambitions or future, never really having much of a strong desire to do anything with my life. I'm I'm not an ambitious person, and if you want to get to know a, a bit more about me and uh, hear my story, I'm, I'll be happy to sit down with you, um, and and tell you more about that. But I, I've never ever had really a strong desire, never even like a medium desire to do anything. Like I, <laughs> I I, th- I think I'd actually be happy to be, like jobless and just. If there was some other way to sustain myself and make my, like, that's fine. But I went from not having a strong desire, really, much of a desire to do anything, to having such an un- uncontainable desire to show others who this Jesus was full time, like every day with my whole life. That As I would pray this prayer, it, like, it literally felt like if I didn't do something with it right now, it was going to explode out of my chest It was uncontainable, and I'm certainly not saying that you guys should also go around and point the finger at people and yell at them and tell them what their their destiny is or what their future is. Or the first encouraging thing that comes to mind. But you know this prophetic word; it it was spoken to me. That was six years ago. Six years ago now, and I've tested it against the scriptures. And the way that I've tested it is, has this word, has this prophetic word, has it made much of Jesus? Has it made much of Jesus? Because that's what this whole book is about. That's who this whole book, has it made much of Jesus in my life and in, in the lives of those of, of those around me? And the answer is yes, it has. And so I take great comfort in that that word that wasn't delivered so well. It was delivered imperfectly. But, you know, particularly in times of discouragement and struggle, because that happens in ministry, I'm encouraged and I'm comforted by the fact that before I even had a plan or a desire for ministry, God saw it fit to use a yelling, loud man, guest preacher to call me to this ministry. All right, so that's the first example. It doesn't have to be a perfect delivery. It wasn't, you know, clearly in my case, uh, but it nevertheless was a prophetic word. Second example. Um, <laughs> a good friend of mine who had a church background. Uh he was he was wrestling with uh committing to a church. Um yeah he's he's actually here. I'm not gonna say who he is, but <laughs> uh and so uh, you know I cared for him, and I, I didn't, like, you never want to, like, force someone to come to church, right, if they're struggling. Um, so I, I I met up with him on a Saturday night, and we were hanging out. I just asked him, you know, what what, what is making it so hard for you? What, what, what's preventing you from coming out? And he had very valid reasons. Like, he had very, uh, like, valid discomforts that he felt, like, just, you know, coming out and not really feeling like, like he belonged, not really feeling comfortable you know about uh, i think things that we can resonate with when we think about committing to a new uh, church or a new faith community and so i suggested uh you know i didn't know what to say i just said let's pray together and we did and i'm not a uh, i'm not a conf- confrontational person i don't like to rock the boat i like to give people space uh, that's what i wanted to do in this instance i just wanted to pray for this brother and kind of let's go off on our own way Um, but I prayed for him and I felt a deep conviction that uh, God wanted to break down some of those walls and resistances that he had in his heart towards the church not like over time but now like but soon (laughs) and um, I felt compelled Uh, I felt led I felt impressed upon my heart to encourage this brother hey just come out to our church Um, just come out one more time just one more time, you know, I, I know it hasn't been the best experience, but I, I feel like you should give it one more chance, and just, hey, let's just see what God does. And he came out the next day, um, uh, and at the very end of the service, there was a time for prayer, uh, but um, the way that we used to do things, and I, I, w- I would love for our church to start doing this again, uh, we would we would call certain people out, Uh, So this brother was called out (coughs) to the front, um, and I remember he got prayed for, and the person who prayed for him at the time, uh, they affirmed the very wrestle that he had shared with me the night before, and simply that God sees you, God sees you in that struggle, and he cares for you. It wasn't binding on his conscience. It didn't, you know, it didn't contradict Scripture. It didn't make him feel condemned or worse about what he was struggling with. And they didn't say, thus says the Lord, or this is what God says, but they just prayed for him and said, listen, you know, I feel like this might be for you. I feel like this might be relevant for you. Uh, you're in a tug of war, but God sees you. And this brother just began to weep. And at the same time, I began to weep because in that moment, like, we, we both knew what was happening. This wasn't just like, oh, a coincidence. This was the Spirit of God enabling the gift of prophecy to go out to build up the church. Right? And God was using the fallible and imperfect words of another Christian to build up, to encourage, to comfort this brother. Right? To break down some of those walls. because That's what God does in kindness and lead him to find community in the church. So practically, what does that mean for us? How do we use this gift? Because I really think, I really believe, both biblically and experientially, that we need to. I want to share with you one caution and two applications. One caution. It comes from our first text today, First Thessalonians. Do not despise prophecies. Do not despise prophecies. Now, I'm sure many of you uh, have realized now that these two examples that I've shared with you, they, they happened years ago, uh, many years ago. And I have to admit to you, I I am guilty of despising prophecies. I'm guilty of despising the spiritual gift because of my experiences. And I would like to think that I'm not alone in this. And we love the Bible. We love the scriptures. And um, we, we believe that the Word does the work. We don't believe that people are doing the work. We, we believe that God's Word through people does the work. And we're, we're coming before the Word and we're saying, okay, so, so leadership should look like this. Evangelism should look like this. Hospitality should look like this. Service should look like this. Giving should look like this. The, the, these are gifts of the Holy Spirit. And here's how they look. And But when it comes to the sign gifts, we become like, that's messy. That's complicated. Let's not go there. Why? Paul says, don't despise prophecy, but test everything. And that means we should desire this gift. That means we should earnestly desire this gift and pray for it. And exercise it in faith. Because it's a, it's a good gift that God has given to us to build up and encourage the church, the body of Christ, and glorify Jesus. And two applications, that was one caution don't despise prophecy. Two applications, here's what we can do. Firstly, uh, we pursue love, right? That's the very first exhortation or command that uh, Paul gives to us in verse 1 of this passage, pursue love. So when we pray for this gift, we don't pray simply for the gift, but we pray for love. We pray that God would help us to love one another, that we would use all of our gifts in love, that this gift would come to us and be exercised in love so that we would build each other up in love. And also, practically, it means when the Spirit puts something on our minds or our hearts for a person, we never say, God told me to say this to you. Right? No, none of us ever gets to say that. Right? That's, that's done. That's finished with the Scriptures. But what we get is a ton of humility and a ton of gentleness and a ton of patience. And we, we say, hey, brother, hey, sister, I feel like the Spirit has impressed upon me to lay this before you. I, 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 I do feel it strongly. Will you pray about it? Will you, will you pray about it to see whether it's true? And then if it is true, can we testify about it together to the goodness of God? All right, so that's the first application, pursue love. Secondly, test and discern. And that just means, don't be skeptical, don't neglect, don't ignore, but be curious and test everything. The command in 1 uh, Thessalonians 5 is to test everything and to hold fast to what is good and abstain from every evil. And, you know, when we think about testing according to the Scriptures and you know, knowing what is good and evil... I know that can sound complicated, but uh, and, and I think there are times with specific prophecies, maybe the more specific they are, there are specific texts, there are specific passages that we need to go to to test those. But generally, as a rule of thumb, how do we know what is good and evil? How do we test prophecies against the Word? Well, the Word itself helps us with that, doesn't it? Does this make much of Jesus? Does this Word magnify Christ? And does it build up the church that he gave his life for? It's actually why we don't have to be afraid as we use this gift. We're people of the book and we don't have to be afraid as we use this gift. Um, I hope, you know, this series on the spiritual gifts has been edifying and instructive for you. and um, But I, I always do want to end um, by reminding you of the gospel because that's what it's all about. It's you know, That's what Paul says in the first verse of 1 Corinthians 15 after he's given this extensive instruction on prophecy in tongues. And the good news of the gospel is not just that God has given us things. It's not just that he's given us spiritual gifts that he's given us a second chance, he's given us a new life. The good news of the gospel is that he's given us himself. That the most beautiful, wonderful, and glorious, and eternal being, the one who is infinitely loving and satisfying, God, he came to us, he died for us, and he brought us into his family. He brought us into relationship with him. Not because we did anything right, but actually because we did everything wrong. And according to our own works, according to our own merit, we we could never earn, we could never earn the right to receive this person. God himself, he lived the life that we could not live and he Died the death that we should have died, and you chose to do that, right, as our substitute. And because of his life, because of his death, because of his resurrection, we can know, we can receive once and for all, forever this beautiful, infinitely loving, infinitely joyful and happy God. We can enjoy him. We can know him. We can trust him. We can live for him. We can obey him. In a way that is more liberating than any kind of freedom of the world that you could think of. Like God has given us Himself. And every spiritual gift that we've been given, it testifies to the greatness and the beauty of that reality. So, brothers and sisters, I know we've had a bit of a roller coaster when it comes to this topic of spiritual gifts. I think it's time. I think it's time that we use these gifts for the glory of God and the building up of the church again. Will you pray with me? Good Father, uh, we thank you for uh, the spiritual gifts. We thank you that uh, the Christian life, it's not boring. It's not uninteresting. Uh, but it is, uh, in its uh, mundaneness, also at times supernatural. And well, we thank you that we get to experience uh, the magnitude and the beauty of who you are through these spiritual gifts. We thank you that you have used and enabled and empowered uh, these gifts in our community in the past in a way that has built us up in a way that has greatly encouraged us in the Lord, in a way that has shown us really who uh, Christ is, in a way that has encouraged us towards him. But Lord, I also pray um, for those of us who have had bad experiences, and I know that is many of us. Uh, And Lord, I pray that uh, under the the reality of the gospel, uh, because Christ was crushed and he was pierced he was killed and by his wounds we are healed we are healed we are restored in relationship with you in the life that you would have us live i pray that by the power of your spirit you would enable these gifts within our community again not for selfish gain but for the glory of jesus and for our good that we would be built up to reflect him to look like him to show others how beautiful and how wonderful he is. So I just pray that in the name of Jesus, knowing that you are a good father who does not withhold anything good from his children. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.